Hey guys, thanks for checking out our message this week. For more content like this, check out vineyardlive.us. If you are interested in getting to know more about who we are as a church, check out the vineyardchurch.us. Today, I want to start off with a little bit of group participation. Are you all up for that? Okay, so what we're going to do is I'm going to have you say a phrase, and then I'm also going to have you repeat some phrases that I say. Okay, so the first thing we're going to say is we're going to say, I love, and then you're going to fill in the blank with the name of a person you love. Maybe it's a child or a parent or a spouse or a friend. Okay, so we're going to say, I love, and then your friend or whatever's name. Okay, we're going to do it all together. So, I love Mike. Okay, good, good. Okay, now this time you're going to repeat the phrase that I'm going to say, and we're going to say it all together. Okay, the phrase is, I love Joe Biden. Okay, let's all say it together. Ready? I love Joe Biden. Okay, I noticed some of you did not participate, but I'm going to give us one more chance because I have another phrase. Okay, so this phrase is, I love Donald Trump. Are you ready? I love Donald Trump. Now, I can only imagine what you're thinking right now. My inner monologue going, what is Julie doing? What is she thinking? Does she not know what Joe Biden stands for? Does she not know what Donald Trump has done? How can she ask us to say that we love these men. Why would she ask us to say that we love these men? Well, I asked us to say those words because Jesus loves those men and he actually commands us to love them too. You see, the Bible actually tells us to not only love our friends, but to love our enemies. That is challenging. And I want to be clear that my love for these two men, it's not agreement or alignment with their lives, with their choices, with their policies. Rather, it is a radical and reckless command from Jesus that because of my new identity, I am empowered to choose to love these two men, to see them as God sees them. Now, don't tune out, okay? Stay with me. Because I know to some of you feelers, and I'm a feeler, this just feels wrong. It feels so challenging. But I have never known a time in my life with more division and more hate. Where it feels like enemies are constantly surrounding us. Where we are divided on so many different things from politics to the school options to our COVID response. We are set up to view one another as opponents. Are you tired? Are you tired of the division and the hatred? Are you tired of the news? Are you ready to see a radical and real change in our world? Are you ready for the freedom that the Holy Spirit wants to bring? Are you ready for revival? Because I believe that the Holy Spirit is showing us a way. He wants to unleash a revolution 
And so I'm gonna invite the Holy Spirit to come and to be the teacher with us today because he has good things to say to us. And so Holy Spirit, we welcome your presence here. These are your words, Jesus. This is your command. And so we pray for ears to hear and hearts to receive what you have for us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, you know, I love church. Church is when we gather together to be equipped and inspired and empowered. And then we take what we get and we go back to our lives where we live and work and play. And we take the love and power of Jesus with us to change the world through Jesus's love and through his power. You know, during this season of COVID, where we have been, you know, having to gather in different ways, there has been some kind of sweet things that have happened, hasn't there? You know, as we've gathered in these smaller gatherings, there's been real intimacy. And actually, if we look back at church history, we see that the early church, it grew at the kitchen table. And so now we've had that same opportunity. I know many of you are still meeting and gathering in your small groups to love and encourage each other. And some of you are meeting in what we're calling church groups, where you gather together on a Sunday with people and watch the service. I want to give a shout out to the Kopenbarger group. I know you all have been faithful to gather together. But, you know, we can look back at the early church, and we can really see some amazing things. In fact, I was doing some research for this message, and I was reading a book this week um, by a man named John Tyson. He's a New York City pastor and theologian, and he had done some extensive uh, research on church history. Any history buffs out there? I really, really enjoy history. And he discovered that there was a foundational verse to the early church that this was kind of a surprise to him. And it got me thinking, like, okay, like, there was this foundational verse, and it, it surprised me too. But right now, if you were to kind of say, what do you think the most popular verse in Christianity is? Like, if you were kind of going to say, like, this is our foundational verse nowadays. Like, anything come to mind? Anyone thinking about John 3.16? Is that what came? That's what came to mind to me, kind of as this pivotal verse for us right now. Of course, John 3.16 is a powerful verse. It says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. This is, of course, a powerful, powerful verse and a great foundational verse. But what John Tyson discovered was that was not the most popular verse for the first 300 years of the church. What was Jesus's reckless and radical command to love your enemies? Found in Matthew 5 and Luke 6, this was the most celebrated command among the early church. And I loved it. John Tyson called it enemy love. And it was a hallmark of the Christian faith. You know, other faiths, they instructed people to love their neighbors. They even told people, you know, to forgive people who had, who had done wrong against them. But Jesus took it a step further. He said, we are to love, not just the lovely, not just those who we like, but love our enemies. And what you have to understand, I'm gonna tell you even more about the history, but when Jesus said this, he is saying this to the Jewish people who at the time are being terribly oppressed by the Romans, terribly oppressed. This would have been audacious to the men and women who heard this command. Why did he say this? 
He said this because this is how far God's love extends to us. And as we receive God's love, we in turn get to give it away to the people in our lives. And so today I pose this idea to us. What if we, like the early Christians before us, we adopted Jesus's command to love our enemies as our hallmark? I'm launching us today into a four-week series, which we've entitled Reckless Love, where we are going to explore this idea of enemy love. And we're gonna see that it's reckless and it's radical, but it's right in the kingdom of God. And I'm excited for what I believe that the Holy Spirit is going to reveal to us. You know, changing the world with Jesus, it actually starts by loving the one and not just loving the lovely. I believe that our very first step in transforming the world is to follow Jesus's radical command to love our enemies. Wait, what? I know it just doesn't even sound right, does it? It doesn't sound right. So turn with me now to Luke 6, and let's read what Jesus says here. I'm gonna start in verse 27, and this is what Jesus is saying. He says, But to you who are willing to listen, ah, there's a clue right there. To you who are willing to listen, what Jesus is about to say is so challenging, it's so radical, it's so reckless, there will be people who choose not to listen. But the invitation is to those who are willing to listen, I say, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who hurt you. You see, enemy love, it's reckless and it's radical, but it's right in the kingdom of God. Because in the kingdom of God, God's rule and reign is making wrong things right. This is what Putty preached on last week, on how what God is doing when he's healing our nation and our world and our bodies is he's taking the broken things and he's making them right. You know, we've often misunderstood this word reckless. We've thought that reckless means careless, but actually reckless means this, that we are utterly unconcerned with the consequences. So I want you to pair that word reckless with that word love, that we are utterly unconcerned with the consequences. This means that when we love recklessly, we love not worried about what the consequences of that love will be. Now, radical, this is a a word that we're more familiar with, right? But radical is nonetheless powerful. It costs us something. Enemy love is countercultural, but so is the kingdom of God. So do good to those who hate you. Yes, showing kindness to people who despise you. Bless those who curse you. That means when someone flips you off, instead of flipping them back, you give them a friendly wave. (laughs) Pray for those who um, hurt you. Yes. Instead of being a keyboard warrior, we actually become a prayer warrior. Way more effective. Way more effective. I know this sounds crazy. But what we're gonna do today is we're gonna unpack Luke 6, where Jesus gives us multiple examples of what this type of love looks looks like. You know, this is simple to say, but it's hard to do. So right now, I want you to turn to your neighbor and you're gonna say, simple to say, hard to do. That's right. 
Okay, before we go any further, though, I think it's important that I give a couple of definitions about some words. So I want to define hate and enemy and love right now. You know, I believe that part of the problem that we have right now comes uh, at the fact that um, loving our enemies, when it comes to loving our enemies, we're actually being trained to hate right now. Technology is this tool that's being used against us to manufacture hate between us. I want you to think about this. The news cycle, our social media pages, the polarization of our politics. We are being indoctrinated and told who to hate, who to respect, and who to fear. We are being told who our enemies are, how we should view them, how we should think about them, and we are viewing people and their value based on their beliefs and their actions. Hate is being cultivated all day long through your electronics. And propaganda on both sides of the political spectrum is powerful, and it is manipulating us. And I fear that it is greatly affecting us, training us to misidentify our enemies. And so let's talk about what this, this word enemy is for a moment. You know, who is your enemy? And I think sometimes this is kind of a tricky concept for us to wrap our head around because I don't know about you, but I don't usually go around talking about my enemies, right? For some of us, it's easier to think of these people, you know, as people maybe who, who have abused power or they've done really terrible things. And those people definitely could be enemies. Um, some of us think of enemies as people who disagree with us or don't believe the same things as us. But when we read the text, Jesus is saying that our enemies are doing three things. They hate us, they're cursing us, and they hurt us. Now, before images go popping into your mind of who your enemies are, I want to gently and humbly remind you that this enemy thing actually goes both ways. Now, we don't like to think of ourselves as having as being the enemy of people. But if you identify as a Christian, you are the known enemy of many types of people. And so I think we actually have to embrace this reality with humility. You know, each of us, we all have groups of people who have done these three things to us. We all have groups of people who we struggle to love. And so right now, I want you to do a little bit of reflection. Who are you struggling to love right now? Is it a family member who's always challenging you? Is it someone at your work who mocks your political party? Is it someone in your small group who's raising their children differently than you? Is it the neighbor who has called the homeowners association a few times because you failed to mow your grass? That's right. Never happened to me, but I don't mow. Let's talk about this word love here for a minute. Have you ever noticed that we love almost everything we have positive feelings about? and we hate everything we have negative feelings about. What is so sad to me is both the word love and hate are way more nuanced than that. There's way more depth to those words, and specifically there's depth to the word love. Because love in the English language is just, it's just terrible. Because it can mean preference, it can mean loyalty, it can mean affection, it can mean all of these different things. And so, I think it's important that we actually understand what Jesus is meaning when he says, love your enemies. He's not asking you to have a fuzzy feeling love for people who have hurt you. 
What he is actually asking us is he's asking us to to participate in his agape love. And this agape love is twofold. It's attitude and action. The first thing is our attitude, our mindset, that we're actually viewing people the way that God views them, made in his image of much worth and value. And from that attitude, that mindset, we act. So my actions, every time I'm acting with an enemy, I remember this is a child of God, made in his image of much worth and value. And this is what can change us. Agape love is about our attitude and action. It's other-centered and it's sacrificial. We are called to recklessly love our enemies. We're called to show the, the world that we are God's disciples by our love. And yet so often that's not what we're known by. This act of obedience, of following this command, I actually believe that it will unleash the revival that our hearts long to see. Because you see, enemy love is reckless and radical, but it is right in the kingdom of God. God changed the world through his reckless love. What makes us think that we can change the world with anything but love? Newsflash, our posts, they aren't changing the world. Our negativity, it's not changing the world. What will? God's love. And God showed us his, you know, his love for the world was full of sacrifice. Again, John 3, 16, a great verse. But God loved us when we were enemies. In fact, let's go to Romans right now because God talks about this, about when we were enemies of him, he loved us first. And so this is Romans 5, 10. So while, while we were still enemies, God fully reconciled us to himself through the death of his son, then something greater than friendship is now ours. Now that we are at peace with God and because we share in his resurrection life, how much more will we be rescued from sin's dominion? You see, what Jesus did is while we were still enemies, he loved us, he rescued us, he gave us a new identity, and now we live the resurrected life as new creations filled with his spirit. God's love came first, it changed, changed us, and now we participate in his love story. I'm gonna say this loud and clear. There is no strategy as strong as love. There is no strategy as strong as love. Will we choose to say yes to this invitation, to harness this, this, this invitation? Enemy love is reckless and radical, but it's right in the kingdom of God. And that is what we are called to. Now, I want to spend some time on Luke 7 right now. And I want you to know, Jesus understood the context of his people's history. You know, the Jewish people, they, they had been oppressed and enslaved over and over and over again. They'd had moments of freedom. But here come the Romans. And the Romans are vicious and oppressive and taxing them. And it is a really difficult time. And their, their hope was riding on this Messiah, that the Messiah would come and set them free politically. They believed the Messiah would have military power and set them free to be able to worship God. And so Jesus knows all these things. And now picking up in verse 27, I'm going to read from the message translation now. This is what Jesus speaks to them. To you who are ready for the truth, I say this. Love your enemies. Let them bring out the best in you, not the worst. When someone gives you a hard time, respond with the energies of prayer for that person. 
If someone slaps you in the face, stand there and take it. If someone grabs your shirt, gift wrap your best coat and make a present of it. If someone takes unfair advantage of you, use the occasion to practice the servant life. No more tit for tat stuff. Live generously. So Jesus' command to us, love your enemies. Let them bring out the best in you. Pray for them. Respond with humility and generosity, even when they don't deserve it. This command, it is radical and it's reckless. And what he's doing in this moment is he's redefining the rabbinical teaching that has happened at this point, okay? At this point, many of the Jews would have known Luke, uh, I'm sorry, Leviticus 19.18, which was this scripture that said, you are to love your enemies. And I'm sorry, you are to love your neighbors. And the Jewish people would have interpreted this as my Jewish neighbors. In other words, people like me, right? They would have thought that this verse meant, okay, I'm going to like people like myself. That's what this verse actually means. And in this moment, um, Jesus, what he's saying to these people, it probably feels totally impossible. He is speaking to a very oppressed group of people. And he is saying, love your enemies. And while we might struggle to define like who our enemy is, the Jewish people would have had no problem. You see, what Jesus is both recognizing and acknowledging was the reality that in this life, we have people who hurt us, who curse us, who hate us. And I wanna take a moment because I don't wanna minimize the pain that we've experienced from our enemies. You know, this pain is real and it, it, some of it requires deep healing. It requires processing grief. It requires boundaries being put in place. And yet Jesus, who experienced all suffering, insists that we love. And I, I don't claim to understand this. I don't claim to live enemy love every day of my life. But I know that this is what Jesus is asking of us in this moment, in this, in this time. Enemy love, it's not easy, it's not cheap, rather it's supernatural and it's actually a sign that the Holy Spirit is in our presence. You see, God's, uh, God's uh, plan for radical world transformation, it takes into account our real world problems. And then what Jesus does is he goes in. He's going to give us some specific examples, right? If someone slaps you in the face, he says, you're going to stand there and take it. Now, I want to be clear. Jesus actually doesn't condone violence. That's not what this means. This was culturally understood as a sign of disrespect. And so Jesus is not saying that physical violence against one another is ever okay. That, that's not what he's saying. And I do also want to note that he's speaking to personal relationships. He's not speaking to proper functions of the government when it comes to protecting people. But nonetheless, this statement was reckless. It was radical. Why? Because when we get disrespected, our first response is what? I'm going to defend myself. I'm going to slap back. And what Jesus is staying, saying here is actually, would you allow me to defend you? Well, I want you to think right now of a time that you felt disrespected, a time that maybe you felt offended. How did you respond? How did you react? Years ago, I, I had gotten done speaking, and 
I really felt like I had done a good job and it was a good message and I came down off the, off the platform and, and a man came running up to me and he said to me, whoa, you are good for a girl. And I took a, took a breath and I, like, and I let my smile grow and I looked him straight in the eye and I said, thank you. I really take this craft seriously and I study and I pray and I spend the time. Now, what I wanted to say was, for a girl? No, 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 I won't go there. I won't go there. <laughs> because you know what? If God gave me this destiny, he can defend it for me. I think so often we just, we, we, we get so, you know, stirred up because we think that we have to defend ourselves, but actually enemy love, it's radical and it's reckless. And I've failed a thousand times, so don't think that, you know, I, I'm, I've got this, got this down. But Jesus, he, he keeps going in, right? He gives an illustration about clothing. And actually, what's so fascinating, I did a little bit of research, the, the Jewish people, they had a right to their coat, to their tunic. But what Jesus is actually saying here is even when we have the right, we can lay down our right to do what's right in the kingdom, you know, so often we, we, we make it about ourselves, but Jesus, he's, he's actually trying to reframe it to, to, to show us that there's this opportunity for generosity. There's this opportunity to actually change the world with him if we would follow the most radical command to love our enemies, to love our enemies. This is the kingdom way. It's reckless and it's radical, but the kingdom is upside down. He goes back in verse 35, he, he says, I tell you, love your enemies. When he repeats himself, listen up. Help and give without expecting a return. You'll never, I promise, regret it. Live out this God-created identity the way our Father lives towards you generously and graciously. Even when we're at our worst, our Father is kind. You be kind. So this is reckless love. This is reckless enemy love, helping and giving without expecting a return. And Jesus' guarantee here, he says, I, we, he promises we'll never, ever regret it. Because we get to live in this new identity that he's paid for through the cross as sons and daughters living generously and graciously. Our father has been kind and now we get to be kind. You see, what Jesus was doing was he was building a, a movement, not built on the military, not built on violence, but rather built on enemy love. And God's invitation to the Jews then and to us today is this, rather than destroy our enemies, rather than defeat our enemies, rather than deny that we have enemies, let's win our enemies and invite them into this enemy love. Invite them into what God has for all of us. This is the revolution that will start a revival. I know, this is, this is a lot. And, and I don't claim to say that I fully understand what Holy Spirit is doing in this moment. But I did believe that today when I said, okay, God, where do we even start? I felt like he said, you start with Luke 6, 28. We pray. We pray. Because, you know, our prayer, it actually, it acknowledges, I, I can't do this on my own. I can't do this on my own power and my own might. I actually have to do this through God's power. Luke 6, 28, pray for those who hurt you. And the message said, when someone gives you a hard time, respond with the energies of prayer for that person. And so right now, that's what we're gonna do right now in this moment. I want you to think about someone who you've struggled to love, 
someone who you consider an enemy, someone who you're wrestling with. And don't overthink it, just the first person who pops into your mind. Maybe it's Donald Trump. Maybe it's Joe Biden. Maybe it's someone in your family. And we're gonna take one minute right now when we are going to pray. We're gonna pray for that person. And so we're gonna put a timer on. And I just, you can pray out loud, you can pray in your heart, you could write a prayer out. But right now I just invite each of us to pray for an enemy. This reckless and radical enemy love is right in the kingdom of God. There is so much hate right now in the world, but we as God's children have the chance and the choice to choose love. And that's what I hope we'll do over this month. I'm gonna pray right now as we transition into worship and just ask the Holy Spirit to do what he does to empower us. And so Holy Spirit, we thank you for who you are and who you've made us to be, God. We thank you for the righteousness that you've given us, God, to be able to love people the way that you love them, God, with an agape love. So we just pray right now, Holy Spirit, that your presence would come. It would move in our midst, Jesus. It would empower us to do what we cannot do on our own. We just say, come Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for checking out this message. We also have more messages available on vineyardlive.us. Get access to exclusive content when you sign up for our Vineyard Live Plus community. This allows you to watch our past conferences, trainings, and special teachings.